Jason, we're going to start the episode with some inside sources I got. Allegedly, before as the Niners were lining up for their 41-yard game-winning field goal, Mitch Wodnowski turned around and said, you thinking what I'm thinking, partner? To which Jake Moody responded, aim for the bushes. Then Foo Fighters started playing. New Spirit Right After Podcast starts now. Welcome, everybody. We are live. We are live. My name is Jason Aponte. I am Andrew Pasquini. We're working. That's it. We're working over here. That's it. Let's go Niners. Let's go Niners. All right, we are live. It is a new Sprint Ride Option podcast. I am joined, as always, by the beautiful Jason Aponte. Uh, 49ers lose to the Cleveland Browns yesterday, 19-17. to I'm sure everybody's going to want all the reactions. I think, as always, Jason and I like to try to be the, the voice of reason uh, for these for these midseason regular season games that the Niners may or may not win. So Jason, start with as we always do. How you doing on this Monday? How you feeling? You woke up probably rejuvenated after all the the hot takes were flying yesterday. Yeah, no, uh, you know it was a beautiful thing today to just like not look at Twitter and not do anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't know what's being said, and I think mm-hmm. I love that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's where I've kind of been today. I've, I've been scrolling to Twitter here and there, not not really looking at Niner stuff, more looking at anything else. I, I I really I compare this loss to the Bears game last year. Like it feels it sucks. Like obviously this isn't a game you want to lose, but in the grand scheme of it all, we're probably gonna forget about this game in, in, in a month, two months, three months, whatever it may end up being. Uh and so yeah, if, if you were looking for like anger or frustration. Maybe not the best place to come here. We, 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 we're going to try and keep it as level-headed as possible. I'm sure some takes are going to fly as they always do on the Sprint Ride Option podcast. But I, I think it's going to be a pretty calm episode, you think, Jason? Yeah, I'm chilling. I, I'm over it. I don't care. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's 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 dive into it then. Uh, the 49ers lose, as I said, to the Cleveland Browns 19-17. to uh, Christian McCaffrey opened the scoring with a touchdown. Uh, Jake Moody made a 26-yard field goal to make it 10-0 to after missing his first. I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, the Browns then go score three consecutive times to take the lead, making it uh, 13 to 10 from a 10 to zero game topped off with a Kareem Hunt 16 yard run in the second quarter. Jordan Mason scores a touchdown to put the 49ers up 17 to 13 as the Browns then convert back to back field goals on back to back drives under four minutes as the 49ers cannot convert their field goal at the end of the game to suffer their first loss of the 2023 season. Uh, Jason, we'll, we'll just, we'll get the kicking stuff out of the way. Cause honestly, I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of people talking about it. Let's get it out of the way so we can go to our normal quarterback positional thing. Um, t- to me, no matter what you say about where this game went wrong for the 49ers, I know a lot of takes are flying out there about Brock Purdy, about Kyle Shanahan, how he managed the end of the game. To me, all of that goes away with a simple 41-yard field goal being made. Uh, that's that's where I'm going to live at on this take. I, I understand that people want to talk about Shanahan maybe not running a couple more plays at the end of the game. I like to believe that if you're using a high draft pick on a kicker, that they can convert a 41-yard field goal that's right down the middle, regardless of how much wind there may or may not be in Cleveland at the time. Uh, so, so that's where I sit, Jason. I'll get your thoughts out real quick, and then let's just let's just talk about the game. I actually really don't want to talk about it. I think you all know sure. where I stand. I yes. really, really, really don't care. I don't yeah. care, honestly. That, and 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 that's mainly what I just wanted to get out of the way at the top. It's it's 
at the end of the day, it's it's one game. I, I know people are coming here for the reactions on the kicker. I, I I think I'm at a point where I'm probably more frustrated than Jason is with it, just because I am the the pro. I, out of the two of us, there I say I am the pro kicker of the two of us, and. I expect a, a kicker to make a 41-yard field goal at the end of the game. Kill me for it, I guess. Uh, but is what it is. There's a lot of places where the Niners could have won this game. There's a lot of places where the Browns won this game themselves. So let's let's dive into it. You got the, we got the kicker stuff out of the way, yada, yada, yada. Brock Purdy will start with a quarterback position, 12 for 27, 125 yards. A touchdown, an interception, three sacks taken. I, I think I, – I think – my takeaway is it's great Fox Nation for the nation. Kyle forgot to visualize Schwartz as a harmless baby. I like that starting out hot. Thank you, Gray Fox. Do you I, get, do you please tell me you get I, the reference? I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. What what movie do I need to add to the list, Jason? I'm gonna write it down now because I, I opened the show with another guy's reference. The water boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. See, I, I've seen that movie, and I know the reference now. I know exactly what it is. Exactly, it's it's the coach of the other team. Got a picture of him as a baby, Henry Winkler. I remember it now. Thank you. I I watch so many movies, I forget. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't watch too many movies. Um, but Jason, I'm kind of at a point where I I don't I don't have any overarching takes on Brock Purdy at this point. I don't I don't care. It's an off game. I think my one, if I had gun to my head, Andrew, what's your concern about about Brock Purdy? consistency i'd like to see a little bit of it this is now what the third game maybe the second game this season we talked about the rams game where he's missing passes same with this game he missed a few passes against cleveland could he have been better yes could he have been worse definitely i thought cleveland did a great job at handling him just like with josh allen against the jets in week one how everybody kind of was like oh is he is he is he good is he bad like we don't know it's almost as if maybe the defense deserves more credit than we give them uh but I, I still doesn't i don't think it changes the fact that that brock purdy wasn't great yesterday and maybe even a slightly better performance means a niners win but is what it is yeah i mean i was saying it all week cleveland's defense is who dallas thinks they are and i meant that wholeheartedly because they're actually very good on defense um up yes. front at every level they have corners that can play man um they have the best cornerback duo in the league as far as i'm concerned in newsom and ward and mm-hmm. when you take away Christian McCaffrey, you take away Debo Samuel, you you have the fact that Brock wasn't exactly sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you're going to get. And guys, you know, this is groundbreaking news here. That was Brock Purdy's first really poor game. He's going to have another one. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain. Yeah. And the 49ers weren't going to go 17-0. No. That's just not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So it's fine. Um, it's a little jarring mm-hmm. to see because you haven't seen it. But always keep mm-hmm. it in perspective that that is always going to be something that can happen. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy's going to have another bad game. Brock Purdy's going to have five more bad games, mm-hmm. 10 more bad games. The only thing that you can really take away from this is this. And this is where I'm going to stand on because I said it yesterday and people call me delusional. I want to make sure I get it out and I, I articulate it perfectly. In a game in which you're missing all of those people, in a game when the defense is playing that well, in a game when you're missing throws, you have one chance to get the team in the game-winning field goal range, and you did it. Mm -hmm. And that is what you want to see, adversity. How do you act under adversity? Well, he he can't kick the ball either. Mm -hmm. You can't kick it too. So he did what everyone else has ever done, and then the kicker gets all the credit and the quarterback gets none. Because yep. I've been told Adam Vinatieri has won all those Super Bowls and Tom Brady had nothing to do with it. Um, that was literally his job, and he did yeah. it. I don't know what else you want him to yeah. do. Like, again, he's going to have 
five more bad games, ten more bad games. But you want to see him respond when you have a chance right there. Mm -hmm. And it never really went to pieces in that drive. Like, And he got them down there. That's why I feel better about this because he's shown adversity and he's never going to face a defense better than that again. Now, they're the best defense in the world, and they showed it. They're the best defense in the world. Miles Garrett was doing the basketball moves again. JOK was incredible. The offensive line couldn't block them. Newsom and Ward are great. This is what I was warning about all week. The Cleveland Browns defense is the best in the NFL. That is out of the way now. Yes. He won't have to face them again. Nope. <laughs> it's no need to make sweeping statements about something that is plain as day as this. And that's all. Yeah, and, and I, that was my caveat too, Jason. Uh, NinersNation.com, Jason and I write for them. Uh, go check it out. My winners and loser, I made Brock Purdy a loser. Like, I think that's a fair thing. But I did add the caveat that like he does deserve, for as much as we're taking away, he does deserve the credit of getting the Niners in a position to – to, to score in the, in the final drive. And I know Brandon Ayuk made a big play, uh, you know, but, but, but Pur- Purdy's the one orchestrating it. And, and, and Jason, I just kind of want to put into context how kind of out of nowhere that final drive was for Brock Purdy. Uh, Moody makes his field goal with seven fifty four left in the second quarter to put the Niners up 10 to zero. From that point on, the Niners drives were nine plays punts one play end of half so now we're in the second half it's three plays interception three plays punt three plays punt three plays punt one play touchdown three plays punt nine plays miss field goal so the Niners all of their drives in the final the second half of the game were less than three plays except for the drive where you needed Brock Purdy to drive down the field and put the Niners in a position to win the game and yes you could say you know, hey, what about the, the the drive where, you know, three and out punts? So those aren't good. Yes, they're not. But in the end of it, the San Francisco 49ers, regardless of all the negatives that happened, the refs, Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, with eight seconds left in the game, were in a spot to win the game. And all of these negatives that we're talking about, we have the little caveat. Yeah, Brock Purdy wasn't great, but they won. So, like, what, what can – but because – the 99th pick misses a kick we're now talking about these a little more negative than than they would have with the caveat so yeah i do was i in love with brock birdie's game absolutely not no but for him to take that offense where they were that entire second half and when the niners needed him the most to make a nine play drive to get in the field goal range he deserves credit so i i i want to make sure we get that out of the way with a minute and change having the ball with a chance to win the game is almost all you can ask for as a team mm-hmm. the 49ers aren't going to blow everyone out no. that's not going to happen all the time no. nobody does that so right now all you have to look at is what do you do with the opportunities everything else is irrelevant until you get that last drive and when you get that last drive and you take them down the field and, and brandon Ayuk's making plays you can cry about the penalties penalties are going to suck and they're yes. going to happen more and more you can cry about the drop passes that's going to happen more and more All of those things can't stop you when you have one opportunity to win the game. Mm -hmm. And when the 49ers were given that, they put themselves in a position to win the game. 99 out of 100 Mm -hmm. times, we would have been talking on this show about how the 49ers can win any style you want, how they stole a game, how they never should have even been in this game. Mm -hmm. And yet, once the kick is missed, now that all has to go away because you have to talk about something else. But it shouldn't change the fact that you watched your quarterback go up against the best defense in uh-huh. football and take them straight down mm-hmm. the field to, to win the game. 
no other defense they're facing is going to be as good as the yes. Cleveland Browns. Nobody's better than them. Yeah. And and wow. that's the part that it's like you're frustrated because the game's lost. I get yeah. it. You should be. But the 49ers weren't going 17-0. But no. they also really put themselves in a position to win a game that we would have all been celebrating and saying, man, they would they won this really ugly game. We they, That would have been a game where – while people would have been like, well, they struggled, P.J. Walker. The 49ers didn't lose to P.J. Walker. They lost to the Cleveland Browns in their defense. Yes. If the, if the 49ers win that game, we're lauding them and saying, man, they can win however you want, and we're we're excited about that, right? Like, they, like that still should be in your mind because they were that close from doing it if they make the kick at the end. Yeah, exactly, and and, and that's my thing is I, I already had the tweet in my mind mentioning this game, comparing it. I think I made the comparison last week. I think I mentioned this game a couple weeks ago. The 2019 week three against Pittsburgh, when the Niners turned the ball over six times and still won, it was a game they had no business winning, but they still won, and that's a sign to me of a good team. And if that field goal goes three yards to the left and right down the middle, we are talking about, I, at least I am talking about of, yes, this suck or th- that was a terrible game. But to me, winning a game that you had no business winning yesterday tells me everything I need to know about this team. They can win ugly. They they can – you can't – ah, the one I'm most grumpy about is the narrative. We, we can't say field goals. You can't beat the Niners with field goals anymore because that's what Cleveland did yesterday. So, uh, t- to me, the Brock Purdy numbers is what it is. But I think in the grand scheme of it, he needs just as much credit for putting the Niners in a position to win that game yesterday than he deserves uh, negativity for, for the numbers he put up. And I, I think that's a that's a great place to leave it. You don't learn things about quarterbacks when you're boat racing, everybody. No. You learn about them when things are mm-hmm. adverse and if there's mm-hmm. adversity. That's when you learn. That's what you should have walked away with. My overarching theme was – if Brock Purdy is going to have a game where he's missing throws, if the offense is out of sync and all of those things, and he's still – with one last chance can get you in the field goal range and you couldn't ask for anything more than that, mm-hmm. then that shows me somebody who is not going to fold even when there's things that are going like that way because you're not going to score 40 points a game. It's just not going to happen. I, feel I mean, fine. he, yeah, no, and he, th- he threw for 125 yards and what, 40 of those came on the last drive. So, so a third of his day came on that last drive when the Niners needed him. Uh, I think that's plenty of Brock Purdy talk. Maybe not too much to talk about the run game. I mean, obviously, injuries. We'll talk about that here in a second. Christian McCaffrey leads the running game. 11 carries for 43 yards. Jordan Mason, 5 for 27. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod kind of played a little bit of that Debo Samuel role after he left the game. Two carries for 23. Uh, Debo Samuel, 2 for 11 before he leaves for injury. And if you look all the way at the bottom, no, it's not 0 for 0. It's 2 for minus 3 for Elijah Mitchell, which not great to say the least. Uh, But... Run game as a whole, it 4.3 yards per carry kind of is what it is. I think the big story is is we it's it's five. What time is it? Five thirty Pacific time. We still don't fully know what's going on with Christian McCaffrey, uh, an oblique injury. He tried to re-enter the game, play to play. Still got what like seven yards on the run where he was hurt, bounced off a couple guys, and then exited the game. From what I've seen, and and I, I very I've seen Adam Schefter say things. I've seen Niner accounts say things kind of varying expertise there my guess is what a week or two at worst i, I that, that's just a very educated guess are, are you a little more concerned than i am or have you read a little deeper than i have no uh, there's no way they, with oblique injuries there's no one or two week like that's not okay. there's no, no no it's not that it's just there's no way to know like i like okay. people anybody speculating one or two weeks or whatever it is you're just 
throwing something out there. Um, okay. Oblique injuries can be complete tears. They can lead to rib fractures. Oblique injuries are not something that you just like, oh, you know, oh, I hope be, you know, rub some dirt on it. It that I'm not that I'm concerned, but like anybody throwing out one or two weeks is just yeah. purely speculating and nobody's telling them anything. Okay. Um, I thought it was really telling today that Kyle Shanahan said that there's an MRA today that they'll find things out, but he had a pretty good answer about, about Trent and Debo. Um, generally when it takes them a while to come out and talk about something, it's they're trying to bury the lead about how long it's going to be. Okay. And think about this. There's a game this week and then the week after that i believe uh and then they have a bye week it might not be the worst idea to sit christian mccaffrey until after the bye week and i think this injury might put him in a spot where that is more of a possibility than some one or two week thing yeah and, and, and that that's definitely a good thought i would take him out from minnesota next week mm-hmm. and cincinnati a week after after uh, with a buy in between uh, the Jacksonville and Cincinnati games, that makes sense. Uh, Jason, I'm gonna give you this one. What does Schwartz defense do so well? Uh, well, I mean, it really helps when you have like probably one of the best defensive lines out there. I mean, when you got Darius Smith and and Tomlinson and and Miles Garrett, um, a lot of that stuff is easier to do. But when you're able to generate pressure with four play man and you have the guys on the back end that can do it, it's all about really mixing it up and getting pressure. I think he really understands the the getting into the gaps. Because after the first drive, the running game became non-existent, even when Jordan Mason got some touches and it looked a little bit better. But Schwartz understands the gap assignments, and he understands how to attack Shanahan's offenses. And when you have the dogs up front and in the back end, you can be very, very risky. Like, you don't even have to worry about playing zone because, you know, Newsom and Ward. Like, those guys are, are incredible, man. Like, having two stud corners like that allows you to do whatever you want up front, anything you want. You want to send five? Cool. You got four on the back end. You're fine. Everything about what Schwartz does is to slow down the running attack and make the the quarterback in the Shanahan system beat them. And when you have guys on the back end, that's probably a, a better thing to do, especially when Debo Samuel is not playing and Christian McCaffrey, who I, I don't want to downplay his impact with the ball in his hands, but the attraction that he he draws like everyone looking at him is getting people open um so that also helps as well too so i I think schwartz just has a really good handle on how to slow down the offense where the 49ers are trying to run the ball but they they, he knows how to fit those run those run fits and and those gaps and everything as well too so he's very good at that perfect and i'm I'm actually going to go straight into the receiving core and then we kind of talk about the debo samuel christian mccaffrey injury together uh brandon Ayuk four receptions for 76 uh jawan jennings two for 26 christian mccaffrey three for nine you one for nine ray ray mcleod one for four george kittle one for one um i i i don't i don't mean this as a negative but because i i don't know i don't know why jason that we do this with christian or with, with christian mccaffrey and the 49ers offense but we failed to mention that the kansas city offense didn't look very good week one when they didn't have travis kelsey things like that so let, let's remember that but dare i say an offense looks a little different when you don't have christian mccaffrey and debo samuel in it uh yeah that doesn't help um no clearly, but... dare i say the more good players you move from an offense the worse that offense looks but at the same time, you know, you have to give credit to the defense. Um, yes. And because they were they were disrupting so much and they needed to create more in the run game, George Kittle can't run routes now. He has to block. Uh, he blocked a ton in this game. Um, if you started him in your points per block league, you probably won your week. Um, so I, 
again, look, it's a it's a multitude of things. You can't just put your finger on one thing. No. The offense wasn't sharp. Sure. The Browns defense was great. That's actually true, too. Like all of those things can be true. It doesn't have to be one singular thing that nope. happened in this game. But, you know, again, you got to give credit to the Browns, man. The Browns mm-hmm. are for real on defense. I've been trying to tell everybody all week. And people in my comments were like, oh, good, 30 to 3, cool. Like, I'm like, all right, man, that's the defense Dallas thinks they are. That's the de- that's who Dallas wants wants to be or who they believe they are. They're not that. Cleveland is the best defense in the football. I find it funny, too, that – that because, Jason, you've put this comparison of the Cowboys' defense and the Browns' defense, and I know this is, this is totally different. Uh, not, not necessarily a defensive thing, but I find it very funny that Dallas waited until after the game to take all their shots at the 49ers that they did in their podcast. And Cleveland tried to take their shot at the Niners before the game. Uh, just kind of an interesting mentality standpoint between the San Francisco or the uh, Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys there. It's fine. Uh, I'm done talking <laughs> about the Dallas Cowboys. It's fine. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, go, let's go to that offensive line. Uh, albeit, albeit. Not as bad as it felt, at least numbers-wise. I know Rich Madrid put out a great thread of kind of pressures that Purdy maybe held onto the ball a little bit himself. I, I, I know this is this is why I feel like one of the biggest complaints I get when I kind of skim through the comment section in my winners and losers articles is I don't really touch on the offensive line as much because I put those articles out night of. Uh, they, they're out the very next morning. And I don't really like to talk about the offensive line until we – kind of see it and we see the numbers and and if you would have told me 13 pressures against this this defensive line it's not the high the greatest number i I think i'd rather see 13 pressures allowed less uh but kind of i I guess jason the best way to to ask this question to you specifically because i know you watched the tape i think there was a little bit of a feel that the browns offensive line dominated this niners or excuse me, the Browns defensive line dominated the Brown, the Niners offensive line. Is that kind of what the tape told you as well? Or, or where were you at with that the next day? Because I think if we had this podcast yesterday, I think the offensive line would get a lot of light on it where today we kind of see things maybe a little differently. What, what do you think? In instances, sure. But Trent Williams was not himself at all. Like he was definitely playing like yes. without a, without a leg. I mean, when you see Trent Williams stat sheet and it says four pressures, three quarterback hurries and a QB hit, um, you know, Trent Williams might lose a rep or two to Miles Garrett or, or one of those guys, but he was routinely getting beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was clearly because he didn't want Jalen Moore to go out there, and he said so as much. Um, so that's the part that I think is a little bit jarring to see. Everything else was kind of, I mean, the the highest grade on the pass blocking from anyone on the 49ers was Colton McKivitz. Yes. And I don't think anybody would have ever said anything about that or thought that mm-hmm. that would happen. Who um, actually actually me, played majority of the game because Jalen right. Warren two snaps had a yeah. seventy seven and a half grade. So no, so, that don't l- count. Two snaps. Yeah, that doesn't count. No, that's two snaps. I just want to. I want before the well, actually, Jason yeah. Aponte, Jalen Moore. No, I'm talking about guys who actually played all no. the downs. I want to make sure we no, no, no. It. If uh, if you have one at bat in baseball and you get a hit and you retire, you're not the greatest <laughs> hitter of all buddy. time. <laughs> you're not. You're not the greatest hitter of all time. Minimum at bats, pal. Yeah. Um. So uh, again, look, for me, it's it's again. Their defense is great. The defensive line is great. Sure. Were there moments where it looked like that? Sure. But the offense wasn't sharp as a whole. Like they weren't assignments. You could see Brock yelling at people to get into their spot. They they had trouble even getting delay of games like out of the way. Like all of that stuff meant like that the offense was completely out of sync. The 49ers have faced furious pass rushes like that before. And 
some of it is quarterback play. Some of it is offensive line play. And I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that offensive line play and quarterback play is tied together hand in hand. Um, if you have a wide open throw and you you pull it down and you don't throw it and someone hits you, you're going to say, oh, my God, the lineman blew the block. No, that ball's got to get out. Or, you know, if for another instance, if Brock is dropping back and there's already somebody in his face, then that's when you say, OK, that's offensive line. It's a give and take. And I think people lose sight of the fact that it is a little bit of both when it comes to offensive line play. It's like one hand washes the other, both wash the face. I I love that. I, I've never heard you say that one hand washes the other, but both wash the face. That's a hell of a metaphor there. It's a, it's really a, like it. it's a Jada kiss bar. I, I did. Well, that's why I'm so lost because you, you you're like, I'm a, I'm a reference Jada kiss and Andrew's just going to have no idea. Uh, no. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I really like that analogy. I appreciate it. Uh, Keith Murphy. Thank you for the donation. Uh, what is it with Shanahan and Schwartz? Has he just had more talent all those games or he schemes well? Jason kind of touched on it a little bit a few minutes ago, uh, but Keith might have been late. You want to give the very quick kind of short? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can you can be more free when you have a great front seven and you have a, a, two of the best corners in the league, the best duo, in my opinion, in the league. But I think it's the understanding of being able to, to stop those run fits and, and get outside and, and to what Shanahan's doing. It's like Shanahan had the great script in the beginning and it felt like, oh, wow, look, they're they're rolling. But Schwartz actually understands and makes adjustments and can slow things down. And he just continues and continues to understand that offense more than I think anybody who's ever played defense, uh, I mean, or defensive coordinator against Shanahan. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit of like, hey, you've got studs on the front and back end. You know that, you know, again, I'll say it again. The Cleveland Browns defense is the best in the league. And then you also understand the scheme. You understand where they're trying to go. You understand getting in those run fits and you understand how to to generate pressure with four because you have so many that are good. So, yeah, all of those things are true. Perfect. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Let's move on to the defense. I I don't have too many qualms for the defensive side of the ball, really. I think. I, I, I think that 19 points is a number that you should absolutely be able to beat. Uh, but obviously that I, I want to get continuously to give credit to the Cleveland Browns defense for, for holding a very high powered Niners offense to just 17 points. Uh, the pass rush of the defensive line, maybe not its best game, but it was a good game. Uh, I, maybe something the Niner fans want to hear plenty of times in the next, 10 weeks or so, both Randy Gregory and Nick Bosa recorded a sack, the only two sacks for the 49ers. Uh, more on the line, Cleveland Farrell, three pressures. Randy Gregory, three pressures. Drake Jackson, two pressures. Nick Bosa, two. Javon Hargrave, two of his own. I, I don't have much thoughts on the defensive line. I thought they were solid. Maybe maybe could have been better against the run game. 34 carries for 160 total. Uh, a lot of that aided by Marquis Goodwin, 20-yard run. I thought the defensive line was was fine. I think I was more excited to see Randy Gregory get a sack than anything else. That's really my thought on the defensive line. Randy Gregory needs to play more. Drake Jackson needs to play less. Um, that's the first thing. Um, yep. He's just – I don't know, man. Again, after after three sacks, everyone's like, oh, my God. You know, Drake – no, no, no. That's it, bro. Enough. Randy Gregory already is the is the guy across mm-hmm. from Boso who can create things. They're running stunts with him. He looked good. I want to give it up to Javon Kinlaw. Everybody looks at Diamador Lenore's interception for Diamador Lenore. Javon Kinlaw blew that yep. thing up and, again, was the highest-rated pass rusher on the team. Again, situationally, Javon Kinlaw doesn't have to be a sack, doesn't have to be a quarterback hit, but he absolutely made P.J. Walker throw that ball very quickly and it ended up as an interception which was a game changer and turned into a touchdown 
The defensive line was fine. But Randy Gregory has to play, and Jay Jackson has to play less. I don't know what's going on. He can't defend the run, and he's not creating pressure at this point. At this point, it's got to be someone who, like him, who is already seasoned, can go, because Bosa needs someone else, and the 49ers have been chasing that speed-rushing element since D. Ford left. Drake Jackson just has not had any juice this year. It just, it just hasn't been there, and, and he very rarely is putting pressure on the quarterback. I don't know what it is. Does he need to gain more weight? Does he need to work on his 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 um, technique? I don't know. But when you see Randy Gregory come in with 22 pass rushing snaps and make an impact immediately, just go ahead and just 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 play Randy Gregory at this point and possibly look for someone else in in the trade market. Minnesota, I'm looking at you. Come up off Daniil Hunter. You don't need him. You're, you're not going anywhere. Make sure you trade Daniil Hunter away. I actually, you mentioned Neil Hunter. Now we'll talk about it in a minute, but Carl Kami wrote an article today that I wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten. I think we missed Greenlaw the most great transition to talk about the linebackers. Uh, Jason, the game felt very chippy at the very top of the game. I even made a joke to our group chat. I said, Greenlaw's kicking himself for missing this one because he's itching to make a late hit. Cause like it was just that chippy of a game. Little did I know that it feels like the linebackers missed Dre Greenlaw. Uh, I, I felt like there was quite a bit of missed tackles. I don't want to have the exact number in front of me right now. I saw a tweet said they had like 13 missed tackles yesterday. Uh, two came from Fred Warner. Oh, here he goes. He had 10 missed tackles by the 49ers defense yesterday. Not necessarily a linebacker thing, uh, but but two missed by Fred Warner, something you're not used to necessarily seeing. So just to just, uh, answer Keith Murphy's question, Jason, how much did the Niners miss Trey Greenlaw yesterday? A little bit, but I think Oren, Oren Burks played very well, actually, too. Yeah. I think he led the team in pressures, um, and I think he, he had one of the uh, yeah he had one of the he had one of the highest coverage grades um, as well, too. Oren Burks, whenever he he gets his number called, man, is uh, is actually playing very well. Now, I hate to turn this into a negative, but uh, you know, PJ Walker tried to lose that game and he threw it right into like Burks's chest. Obviously, Lenore was cutting it off. That would have sealed the game. But hey. Oren Brooks has been fine. Sure, they missed Drake Greenlaw. There's no way that that, off, that defense is going to be better when he's not there. So I'm not going to like downplay that at all. But I do think Oren Brooks played well, especially when you look at the numbers. I, I was surprised today when I wrote the article today about snap counts. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, he had the most pressures. I was like, I got to go back and look at this. And they were, you know, using him uh, to blitz. And, and he's pretty good in coverage. Oren Brooks is a little bit of a baller, man. That was kind of a, a low-key move, man. I really like when he plays. But Fred gets the interception, you know, keeps himself in the DPOY discussion as well, too. Um, but yeah, you know, look, it felt like the Browns offense, especially in the running game was just beating the 49ers to the punch yeah. and, and getting outside. Right. Like, and, and, and no play kind of is, is more indicative of that than the Kareem hunt, you know, fourth and one where Harrison Bryant's there and it looks like he's going to QB sneak in and he just pitches that thing out to Kareem hunt, um, completely throwing them off. The, the 49ers were a step behind uh, on defense on certain points and the, and and PJ Walker tried his best to give the game away. Like he he was trying to show that he, you know, like he was fine, right? Like if not for like one or two Amari Cooper catches, which were insane, one where he took Lenore's uh ankles, or the one where he jumped over um Charverius Ward, um, the passing game was like non-existent for them. Everything was screens. It was more about the running game, and, and that's something that I didn't really think was going to happen coming into this game. Kareem Hunt hadn't really showed any juice since he came back, and then Jerome Ford, who I thought was good. Um, he had some really good runs as well, too. So it, it just they were a step behind in the run game. I don't know if that's necessarily all because Dre wasn't there, but they were definitely they were definitely toying with the 49ers on certain points. I uh 
great transition point to the cornerbacks real quick. So I want to ask you a question, but Oren Burks right now, I feel like really with every sports team in, in American sports, when a team makes a playoff run, there's always that unsung hero that makes a big play in the postseason. Kind of think Connor Gillespie against the Mets a couple of years ago for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, for Niner fans, Jordan Willis making the block in Green Bay, things like that. Oren Burks feels like the leader in the clubhouse to be the guy to make a big play come January, come February. Uh, Jason, we're, let's let's move on to secondary though, and I really I want to ask Jason Aponte, the football fan, this question, not the 49er content creator, nothing like that. I think if if anything I've learned from Jason Aponte is he really appreciates good receivers and great receiver play. I want Jason Aponte's like reaction to Amari Cooper just absolutely mossing Charvarius Ward because I like as I said you you've you've ruined me a little bit and my my first thought after that play happened was I want to know what Jason Aponte thought because that was ah that that, that was football porn a little bit right there everyone loves that right and I and you should you should be you should be enamored with that but my god what he did to Diamador Lenore was like that's that's that is an Allen Iverson crossover. That is that is Steph. That is Steph dancing with somebody with the ball and then stepping back and hitting the three. That is poetry in motion. And I will never understand the Dallas Cowboys need to get rid of Amari Cooper. Um, oh, but I, after I just said I'm never going to talk about them again. Um, but but he came from there. But yeah, that catch. Obviously, everyone's going to go crazy about that because it was like that was like a Megatron play. But holy shit, that route on Diamador Lenore, like he didn't trip. I mean, he tripped, but he tripped because he got hezzy to death, man. And it was just, and it's just like that is football porn. That is literally when you watch receiver play, that's like watching, you know, Beethoven, you know, do an orchestra, like, like, uh, like whatever, whatever it is, right? Like that's just beauty right there. And I hate that it had to have, it had to be Lenore because he had a really good game actually too. Um, you know, the interception was big, but good God, man, I was more impressed with that than the Ward Moss. I really, I, I like that. There, I, 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 that wasn't the answer I expected, but that's why I asked it. Cause I, I want, I, I just, for some reason with you, I just think receivers and, and, and just, I feel like with Jason Aponte, you watch receiver versus cornerback matchups, like NBA fans watch crossover. Oh, yeah. or one-on-one that's all I'm really battles. watching. I really, and, I really would like to retire from being a 49ers guy and just be a receiver guy. Like just, let's just, can I just watch receivers all, <laughs> for all 32 start, teams? Start, start with the film and fix that Jason Aponte receiver. See if you can figure him out. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I thought, I thought the cornerbacks were fine. To, like, I, I don't have many major complaints about the defense. I have a hard time complaining about them when they allow 19 points. Diamador Lenore had an interception. Tashawn Gibson had an interception. Tashawn Gibson also had a hit that 15 years ago on ESPN on Monday Night Countdown, we would what be yelling, been? he got jacked up! <laughs> and now we're call, we're throwing flags, but neither here nor there. Um, and, and we'll talk about the calls here in a second. I, I wanted to talk about the players first because – once again, Jason, if, if Jake Moody makes a field goal, signs expiring, none of the referee calls matter. None of it matters. So I, I want to really, I really want to stress that I do not believe the referees cost the 49ers this game because I do not at all. Um, but I, I do think that we need to touch on them just for a second. But let's talk cornerbacks first. Let's talk secondary. What what did you think as a whole from the secondary? Thought they were fine. Again, like when you when you give up that many points, uh, you figure that your team would be able to score more points. 
And, yes. uh, you know, like, again, the defense isn't the problem. You know, um, there's lapses, sure. But, again, if you're going to tell me this 49ers team is going to give up 16 points um, every game, uh, I'll take it every single day, you know, every single week uh, and twice on Sunday. So, I mean, yeah. uh, it's it's – you can nitpick. You can say, I'd like this to change. I'd like this to change. Um, fine. But uh, – you know, it is what it is, and that's the amount of points. It's just, you know, the name of the game is for you to score more points than the other yes. team, um, and they nearly did that. Um, so, again, it's uh, it's hard to uh, really be upset with the defense at this point, especially when they're still, you know, generating pressures at this rate, turning the ball over, you know, mm-hmm. two turnovers, you know, two sacks, um, that many points. You probably in your mind think 49ers wrap this thing up pretty pretty quickly. So it is what it is. Yeah, and, and uh, so so let's let's get to the refereeing. Uh, I really only have two main points. The Charvarius Ward holding call, that sucked. That was a bad call, but that was on a first down. Like what? Like that one to me is is such a forgettable play. I understand it gave uh, Cleveland five yards. The two calls that I just don't understand, and I, I don't think I ever will, is the fumble at the end of the ha- first half. I, I to me, I yes, I I see his arm moving forward, but to me. It's got to be something that resembles him trying to throw the ball outside than just trying to push it to make it look like a forward pass. Uh, that that one is is a bummer. I, I kind of understand what the ref saw because there is the slightest forward motion to him pushing the ball. It, to me, it, it, it should be a fumble every time. I, I don't want to reward that. I have such a problem with the last call. And it's not with the rule, I'm not going to give you the stupid Andrew complains about what's a defenseless receiver, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's more that we have this technology to, to re replay everything. The smallest of margins. Did he did, did one little dot of black kick up from the grass as his toe barely dragged. We can zoom that in and figure it out, but we cannot take a play. One of the most bang, bang plays in football, Jason, a hit over the middle and slow it down, have a ref look at it for 30 seconds and say, well, there's no, he didn't lead with the helmet. There's no contact to the head. This is just a hard, clean hit. Hey, I, cause I understand why they threw the, threw the flag on the play. I get it because we've been conditioned to see that hit and be told that's a penalty. But to me, how you can't just, Hey, let's stop 30 seconds. Let's make sure we get this right. This is a big call. And I'm not saying make every play reviewable, but under four minutes it, 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 to have such a bang, bang play happen and just be like, yeah, that's just the call. We're sticking with it no matter what. I don't like it. That leaves the bad taste in my mouth. I had a tweet today where I said, I don't even need an apology from the NFL saying they missed the call. Just tell me what Deshaun Gibson is supposed to do in that case. I, they're never going to do that. They're never going to. But again, kind of the theme of the episode, Jason, we're not talking about this. If Jake Moody makes a kick, that's all. But what were your thoughts on the on the the two big calls of the game? Look, the fumble thing. I think my biggest issue is blowing it dead, mm-hmm. and and then and then that makes it so hard to overturn after that, mm-hmm. right? You don't blow it dead, and then someone has to challenge it, right? What you do is you let the play happen, and then you review it because it's a turnover, right? Like it's just, I don't like complaining about the refs. Because bad calls happen all the time, but this was one of the most horribly officiated games on both sides. On both sides. On both sides. It was not like these refs were just like, 
screwing the Niners only. There were just some questionable calls all across the board. They 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 even got snarky when they got on the mic trying to explain things. Like, you're the one who is fucking this up. Don't yes. get mad at people because you aren't able to clearly say what's going on in this game mm-hmm. or what happened on this play and get mad at people who are asking you to do your job. Yeah. In the NBA, in the NBA, I believe there's something called a two-minute report. The last two-minute report, yes. Where is that in the NFL at all, right? Like, where is that in the NFL at all where we can talk to people and hold them accountable? Because yes. NBA refs get it all the time. Um, yes. You miss a call there. That sheet goes out on social media. You are getting blasted. The NFL protects the refs because they can't stand the heat. Yes. And I think Andrew so, like put it together perfectly. In this era in which I can tell what uh, – what color socks you're wearing? When you yeah. go back and you look at and you look at replays and and you give fines for players for not wearing socks, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, you can't review that because we don't want to show the refs up. Isn't the idea of replaying things to get it right? And human error is a part of every mm-hmm. single sport when there's officials and referees, everything. But isn't it about getting it right? And the NFL has no intention, I believe, mm-hmm. in actually getting it right. They just want to protect their people. But they, then the rest, it's just the audacity of that crew chief to be snarky with everybody when they're literally not getting you and they're not even giving you an explanation and they're not giving you a clear one. And then everyone's upset about it. It's like, my God, man, you you cannot be this inept at your job. You just can't. And, and it's in, and again, this is not the reason the 49ers lost. They definitely should have still no. won this game. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that this game was horribly officiated on both mm-hmm. sides for both teams. There, there was one, and I forget the exact play it was, but there, there's one where Cleveland got called for a penalty. The ref said they declined the penalty. And yeah. then like 30 seconds later, they came out and said, oh, well, Cleveland changed their mind. And they're actually accepting he it. He said and sorry he, on the mic, too. He's like, well, I apologize. No, and, man, and, just and, do your job. And, and But to me, like, it, it, I understand that you change your mind if there's like a a change in the play. Like, like there's things like that where like, Oh, I didn't realize they called the timeout. So like, actually I don't want like this, 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 but they didn't explain it. They literally just went on the road. Malik said, Hey, offsides or whatever the penalty was penalties declined by Cleveland. Nothing's going on on the field. And then the ref says, Oh, actually they changed their mind. They want to, they want to accept the penalty. And it's like, okay, then explain to me the change that happened to allow Cleveland to, to to flip their brain on this because to me it's like chess you take your piece off that you take your hand off the piece you can't yep. move you're done yep. and, and and so that, that that's where I'm at as I said I don't want to blame the refs for this loss because it's not on the refs it's on a lot of things the Niners didn't do right it's on a lot of things that the Browns did do right uh, I just think the refs were very bad both ways Jason let's get into three stars and then last five minutes I just want to talk about three? this. Well, that, <laughs> that's the thing. I don't know where I'm going to find my three Jason Aponte. Uh, I'm still kind of digging for it a little bit. Uh, so mm, I'll go star number shit, man. This is hard. I'll go Brock Purdy at my third star. Not a good game, but putting the Niners in scoring position to win that game at the end of the game for as bad as the game he had. Deserves some recognition, man. Not not every game's going to be the pretty, you know, game that he had against Dallas. Not every game's going to be like this. But to be able to take away a performance where Brock Purdy threw boring completions than completions and still say, yeah, but the Niners are in a position to win, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take it every time. Good God, man. How do you even find um... – that- 
Jordan Mason, uh, I five for for twenty nine or something like that, I believe. Um, but the touchdown, um, he was the only one who looked largely effective when he was running the ball, including Christian McCaffrey after that first drive. So uh, Jordan Mason, man, and it's going to be interesting to find out because I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to play on Monday. Um, it sounds like Kyle's going to go to Elijah Mitchell, which I think is fair because of what he's done and how he's looked in this offense. But I would love to see Jordan Mason get more run, man. Jordan mm-hmm. Mason's my third star. That's Keep a, looking. Yeah, man. Uh, Jordan Mason, second star, five for 27, a touchdown. Um, that's that's all. I, oh, I, I, you know what? Nah, uh, you got Jordan Mason. I'll take Christian McCaffrey, 15 consecutive games with a touchdown. Uh, knocked it out on the first drive of the game. Yes, he left. Uh, but anytime you're, you're, you're kind of chipping away at NFL history, I guess they get, that gets you number two star. Yeah, that, that one's good. Um, I'll say Oren Burks, um, for the reasons, like I was saying earlier, the, the pressures were really good. Um, and he seems to just be around the ball, man. Like whenever he's given a chance, Oren Burks has been pretty good. And that's just been an under the radar signing because the 49ers haven't been in base. Um, and you know, obviously Greenlaw leaving, he, he was pretty good, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought, uh, Burks was really good in this game. And I think whenever his number is called, he always kind of contributes in a way that either isn't like widely known, but when you look up at the stat sheets and you see that he had the most pressures, um, and he, you know, got his hands on the ball and he was the, one of the better, uh, players in coverage. Um, yeah, Oren Burks, uh, had a pretty good game. Yeah. I'm going to go Oren Burks, number one star. I mean, I do Hey, how many opportunities do we even have to say Oren Burks, a star period. I'm going to take number one for him. Eight tackles led the team His four pressures led the team. He was pretty good in pass coverage. So I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Oren Burks, number one star because he feels like the most deserving. Yeah. And I'm going to go Diamondo Lenore, um, uh, four tackles interception, um, targeted seven times, three catches. Obviously, the one is the one that everybody's going to look at. But other than that, he really didn't give up too much. Two defensive stops, um, a 44.6 NFL passer rating when targeted. Diamandola Norris, my number one star. Good for him, man. Uh, yeah, so real quick before, Jason, we get out of here. Tim Kawakami dropped an article for The Athletic today. I tend to listen to Kawakami because when he tends to randomly mention players – those players tend to move. Uh, last year, I don't know if you remember Christian McCaffrey. He had, didn't he have an article like pop up about the Niners' interest in McCaffrey the the morning of the trade, like timing like that? So I just want to float a couple names that he mentioned in this article. S- see what you think, Jason. Uh, one of his categories are after Sunday's injuries of the 49ers need an offensive playmaker. Uh, two names he threw out, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Renfro. Uh, don't know if any of those move, move you. Uh, Kendrick, he mentioned, but... Uh, but, uh, I, I you like, know, I don't know. Renfro's like, uh, I don't even know. I think, I think for that, just play Juwan because Renfro's just like a, an underneath route guy. Like he, yeah, I don't know, man. That that's whatever. That, that one to me is whatever. Uh, he then talks about solid offensive linemen. The name he mentions is Trent Brown. Uh, and he also mentions Tristan Wirfs and Laramie Tunsil, but he says he doesn't think either of them are going to become available. He just throws yeah, them out there. Yeah, I don't think right, either so. of them. Tristan Wirfs would be yeah. sick. Let me, I would let me love throw, Tristan Wirfs. Let me let me throw out some names too. I think the 49ers should trade. 
Yeah, or they should trade for Justin Herbert. Um, and yeah, let me just let me just throw out some names. Tristan yes. Wirfs, good guy. I think Christ, man, he's. I don't think I, I, he's literally been the best lineman in the world this year. <laughs> like, yes. what are we talking about? Trent Trent Brown's intriguing. Uh, I think all said and done, I think DeWan Jones with the 99th pick would have been pretty cool. But hey, that's oh. <laughs> me. Not, not me. I don't know, man. Uh, and then the last one is the 49ers are always looking for another pass rusher. And the name kind of I wanted to get to is he specifically, could they go back to the Panthers and ask about star defensive end Brian Burns? And I think we're a little excited about it because we got Brad Graham hyping it up. To me, it makes sense because these two teams have talked to trade in the last year. They already have a connection. I think that, to me, is the white whale trade the Niners can make. Do I think it happens? No. As I said, I just want to throw this out because when Kawakami mentions names, I tend to listen. So what do you think about Brian Burns? Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter is far more reasonable and makes okay. way more sense, man. The Brian Burns thing would be great, but you've got to give up a bunch of capital because the Panthers aren't going to give him away, and then you've got to sign him. Um, and you're not going to trade all that for a rental. Trade all of that for a rental for for Daniil Hunter. Um, that makes way more sense, in my opinion. So, yeah, uh, I just love these names. Uh, I know. Well, a, name, a name that I'm thinking of is Tristan Wirfs. The Tampa Bay Bucks are literally going. You can get, you can get worse from them from their cold, dead hands. They would never trade Tristan they, Wirfs. Why would you? They also play in a division where they could accidentally win six games and then be in a playoff spot too. So that's kind so of a, funny to me. That, you know, I should, that, I should that, write an article. I, I should write an article. I, like, I that. like the idea by Kawakami. Just be like, hey, the two best players that might be available at this position would be cool, but they're probably not going to be available. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna write an article for Niners Nation. I'm gonna be like players the 49ers to trade for Tyreek Hill, um, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes uh, I, you should throw you should throw in a wild, just an out of left field, Kyle Shanahan for Mike McDaniel, who says no. Like no, just, just like, not even not even like uh, not even the players. You trade the head coach, Jason. So you trade you trade for Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Tucker. Boom, we're a Super Bowl team. You're welcome, guys. We did Justin it. Like Tucker. I love it, Justin Tucker. Jason's coming coming around on the kickers. We love it. Hey, man. I only acknowledge the goat. I had fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, listen, man. It, in literally a week, we'll be watching the Niners next game. Enjoy this week. It's one loss. The 49ers are five and one. If you want to be a sicko and say, oh, well, the Eagles lost too, so didn't lose any ground and look at it like that way, I like to look at it that if the Niners made a field goal, they'd be in number one seed in the NFC right now. But hey, neither here nor there. We're, what, 33% of the way through the season. Plenty can change between now and then. This is one loss to the Cleveland Browns, and I don't think we're giving them enough credit for how well they played yesterday. Those are going to be my last words of the podcast, Jason. I'm excited to talk to you on Friday as we preview the Minnesota Vikings and what we may have buried the Kirk Cousins news last week, but now maybe we're back. I don't know. We will find out. I'm joking, Jason, obviously. I'm like, if I don't get at least one, Jason closes both of his eyes like Andrew just fucking in the podcast already, <laughs> then I'm not doing my job. Jason Aponte, as always. Let's go Niners. I'm not too worried about it, guys. Chill out. Uh, I love Jason Aponte with all of my heart.